Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain here, you will be able to connect your own health dots and begin to experience whole person care. So let's sit down. Let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Hey, House Call community, welcome back. We have had a wonderful journey in the month of February. You can catch the wrap-up episode there on housecallwithdrmac.com or on iTunes or Stitcher, whichever platform that you listen to your podcast on. We wrapped up that month and tried to pull it all together for you, but we know we need to do some follow-ups. So why don't you head on over and give us some suggestions. Let us know what other topics we can tackle. Let us know what you want to for us, what you want to hear. We also want to hear your health stories. Why don't you start heading on over to House Call with Dr. Mac, click the voice memo and send us a voice message or reach out to us on our email address. That's at realdoc74 at gmail.com. That's R-E-A-L-D-O-C-7-4 at gmail.com. We want to hear your health stories and that way we can start bringing in other experts and bring in their perspective so that we can start connecting even more health dots and help more people experience whole person care. We want to say a special shout out and a welcome to the house call community to South Africa and Japan, China even. Um, We also want to say hi to Australia. You guys have been hanging in there with us for a while now. And some other of the states in the United States, we have some people that are connecting with us from California. I see lately California's popping up a couple of times and New York, that Buffalo area. Hey guys, you know, reach out to us. Let us know that you're part of our community. If you want to follow us on Twitter, our handle is at RealDoc74, that's R-E-A-L-D-O-C-7-4, or follow us on Instagram, it's the same handle, at RealDoc74. We had a wonderful time down in Huntsville, Alabama, and we're going to have links on our website so that you can catch that presentation from the African American Healers Conference there at Oakwood University under the directorship of Dr. Ramona Hyman. And while we were there, we had the privilege to sit down with Dr. Ramona Hyman, one of the professors in the English department at Oakwood University. We started talking about a very interesting intersection in medicine. It's called narrative medicine. And I got so excited about this concept that we just had to sit down in the community and have a conversation about it. So she so graciously came and consented to sit down in the house call community and open up and start this conversation and dialogue about narrative medicine. She sent us to some links um, from Dr. Rita Sharon, who basically has developed this curriculum even more at Columbia University and it's becoming more of a mainstream and it's really interesting. This is going to be something that I feel that you're going to be able to put in your armamentarium of tools and pull out of your toolbox and begin to help you connect even more health dots, become even more optimal and and be able to really know who you you are as a person and who's in your sphere and who is part of you Inc. as I would say. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Hyman. 
She's a wonderful, wonderful person. She's been a part of my life for over two decades as uh, my English professor at Oakwood University. And as also she's part of my family. We have a special personal connection with Dr. Hyman um, through my family. But Dr. Hyman had uh, received her doctorate from the University of Alabama and her doctoral thesis looked at the Montgomery boycott, bus boycott, as a literary text. And she talks a little bit about that in the episode. And it was just phenomenal. I just, it just encaptured me. And I, and I was sitting there just drawn into her story about this. It's, it was such an enriching, enriching part of the conversation. Dr. Hyman has multiple literary works, and her latest one can be found in the in Ministry Magazine. She deals with the woman with the issue of blood. That is a very interesting article and a piece that she looks at from a healing poetic standpoint. She also has a book out. It's called I Am Black America. You can go on over to Amazon.com and order her book. She's also asking, and we're asking that once you order the book, that you go to Amazon and write a review for that book. When you write reviews for books or even podcast series such as ours, it makes it easier for individuals to find that particular podcast or book. Because what it does is the more reviews it gets, it makes it easier to pop up when people are typing in the title. So if you would head on over to Amazon.com and pick up Dr. Hyman's book, I Am Black America. So let's head on over and hear what narrative medicine is all about. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We are in Huntsville, Alabama at Oakwood University, the African American Healers Conference Weekend with the coordinator, Dr. Ramona Hyman. Dr. Hyman, welcome to the community. Thank you for inviting me to the community. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. And I am excited. Good. Thank you so much for being willing to come and sit down with us. And we're here in Huntsville because Oakwood University, in conjunction with Black History Month, they're wrapping up Black History Month and celebration of our heritage. They're um, wrapping up with an African-American Healers Conference. And you so graciously extended me an um, invitation to come and, and commune with the students at Oakwood University. And I want to thank you for that opportunity. We had a wonderful time yesterday. And I just want to thank you. The students are talking about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, in class, after I had to go to class yesterday and I asked the students, were you all at chapel? She was good. <laughs> and so, you know, I was like, okay, I was a good teacher yesterday, you know, because yeah, I had yeah. also let them know that I had invited you, that yes. I had extended the yes. invitation. So yesterday, I think I had, you know, I got an A plus as, an, as a teacher, just okay. because you, just oh, because oh, wow. of you. Okay. Not okay. because of anything I did, you know, <laughs> and uh, they said, oh, she was so good. And they even pointed out some um, you know, some of your, your comments. And mm. one student says, uh, very specifically, a young lady, okay. um, she said, you know, it showed her that she could do well, too. Mm. And she said it was somebody that actually looked like her. These wow. are her words, not wow. mine. And I just, I really felt good because, you know, my prayer is that for that particular day is that if just one student was yes, inspired. Yes, I remember us talking yeah, about just that. Just one student. Yes. And so um, several students were inspired. Well, so amen. amen. I just really, really thank you. And um, we, yes, we had a ball. It, it was, we had a ball. Yeah, it, it was great. And to walk the campus and go and tour. I don't believe I've been inside of some of the buildings on campus for about 10 years. Yes. It's a whole new experience. You know what? It is, 
to me, it's it's so beautiful. I teach one of the courses, of course, I teach is freshman comp. Mm-hmm. And what we did last year, um, because I believe I have become so sensitive about historical moments mm. and writing for practical purposes. Okay. And so the students had an assignment where they had to write their paper. First of all, we did a research scramble on the presidents of Oakwood University. So all mm. kinds of quote-unquote trivia questions. And then you had to write a memoir on one of those presidents and what they did for you. You wow. know, how was your life ex- um, inspired? And one of the students... Um, did his paper on Moran. And in his paper, he talked about how the students had, I mean, built that particular Moran Hall, you know, with those stones. And so we talked about how we are sitting in the midst of history. So when I walk to campus, you know, I think about that, you Mm. know, that particular history that is there, all the, all of those people. Yes. Um, so yeah, it is. It it takes you, you know, to another place. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. I um, in in that same vein, we were able to go through Cunningham Hall. Oh my goodness! And my mother's office used to be in the basement of Cunningham Hall, mm-hmm. and to see the transformation, but still feel the history. Yes. Yes. Was. One of those moments in time that you just wanted to linger in. Yeah. And I I love the way whomever is capturing Oakwood in still, mm-hmm. in still photography, mm-hmm. they have been able to place these moments on the walls mm-hmm. so that you can feel as if you traveled to another place. Yes, absolutely. I walked in and I saw Mother Cunningham on the wall. Yes. I saw Doc Cooper, who used to be one of my professors yes. in his later years, um, become one of my chemistry professors. Mm-hmm. I saw e, um, Elder Mosley, mm-hmm. and I was able to even see Anna Knight, yes. a picture of her. And all of this history came flooding back, mm-hmm. and I felt as if I, I could feel I was in the presence of the giants. Yes, yes, yes. And I had a different experience yesterday. Yeah, and you, you can rest in your sense of purpose. You yes. know, because of them, you understand that because you, because they have laid a foundation and you can walk on that foundation, it moves you closer into your purpose. I and like so that. that is, um, you know, that that's the blessing of being at Oakwood and more specifically at a historically black institution yes. because you know you're resting right there. Yes. You know, um, and then the other thing about being at Oakwood, I tell students all the time, is that you always have people praying for you. Mm. Yeah, which you did a beautiful job, the writing of your presentation yesterday. Oh, wow. You know, in terms of, you know, placing the our religious and spiritual experience within the context of Mm. success Mm -hmm. was, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, it was just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I I tell you, in developing the, the context, you know, people that listen to our podcast know that we're people of faith Mm -hmm. at at our podcast. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I took moments of meditation and, and just, I believe I was in constant communion, you know. It wasn't just a, okay, let's sit and, so. and pray for this moment. Mm-hmm. But it was a continual conversation, and I was constantly like, okay, well, what else do we need to talk about? Yes. Because I'm not here. I don't know the students. I don't have that um, I don't have that little snapshot in time where I can come down or I'm around the community and I can yes. go and feel them beforehand. So you have to rely on something bigger than you Absolutely. to connect it all together. Absolutely. And this is this is a beautiful segue to talk about why we're here today. Yes. To a connection, being able to connect the dots. And that's what we talk about here in the community. We help individuals connect their health dots so they can see a full picture and receive whole person care. Mm. And we started talking about a specific area called narrative medicine. Yes. And I got so intrigued. I said, Doc, we have to have this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to. So I'm going to take a step back. And I love to tell the community how 
and per, have one of our, our experts. We mm-hmm. talk, call them either our healthcare providers or experts. Mm-hmm. And you're considered one of our experts. Thank you, ma'am. Find themselves into our community. We have not only a professional relationship where mm-hmm. you've extended this invitation, but we have a personal relationship. Yes. Which spans more than a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more you, than two decades. More than, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. And you've been my professor, Mm -hmm. and you've also been a personal mentor in my life, Mm -hmm. and a family friend, a dear family friend that Mm -hmm. has traversed various terrains with our family. Mm -hmm. And so we have a connection. Yes, absolutely. Our stories have intertwined. Absolutely. And so when we're sitting down and we start having this kind of casual conversation about narrative medicine and we start going in deeper I said okay yes Mm -hmm. definitely need to sit down Mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about narrative medicine and how that interplays um, in society how that will impact people how Mm -hmm. that will impact the individual as well as the professionals inside of a person's story yeah Um, but I want to ask you a question first you you have a PhD, yes. and I want to know what is your um, PhD background in, and give us a little bit of your once upon a time story with that. Well, my once upon a time story is this: um, I have a PhD in English, okay. and as I always say to my students and everybody else, all of my degrees are in English. But please do not hold me accountable for what I say right now. <laughs> Well, all of my degrees are in English. I got my PhD from the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I always say roll to the top. Roll tide. And uh, my degree is in English. With a, My specialization is African-American literature and literary theory, and very specifically the civil rights movement as it relates to the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955. And so what I did in terms of my dissertation work mm-hmm is I looked at the Montgomery bus boycott as a literary text. Hmm. And my theory is that historical moments are conceived and constructed just like pieces of literature. And so in the case of the boycott, you have Rosa Parks, who's the protagonist. You have the place or the setting, which, of course, is Montgomery. Mm -hmm. And so um, it it was an exciting experience for me. I... um, I was a speaker for the Alabama Humanities Foundation, and I spoke on the Montgomery bus boycott. Okay. And so when I start to work on my dissertation, I thought I was going to do something different. Really? Yes, I had something else in mind. And so um, I took a class in literary theory, and so I asked my, in talking to my professor, who eventually became my major professor, Mm -hmm. um, and I told him, what I had in mind. Okay. And so he said, Ooh, he said, let's, let's try this. You, you, you're integrating because it's something called, uh, intertextuality where if, and in fact, the whole thing in narrative medicine is an intertextual moment for me, mm. but in intertextuality, what happens is that two entities come together and there's a birthing act of a new text. And so that is what, you know, I dealt with in terms of, in terms of my dissertation, The beautiful thing about that is that it also changed me as a person because I got an opportunity to, you know, God does some, I mean, he does some fantastic things in terms of what we do and our purpose Mm -hmm. because I, I, I spoke for the Alabama Humanities Foundation years before I went to work on my dissertation. And one time when I went down to to tell you a quick story, I went down to, to Alabama State to speak, mm-hmm. and I was very nervous because I was speaking in Montgomery on the boycott, and I was like, okay, will I have my facts right? Well, when I finished speaking, a lady came up to me. She said, Mrs. Durr wants to meet you. I said, okay, where is she? Mrs. Durr's husband, Clifford Durr, is the man who was the lawyer, white lawyer, who went made bail for Rosa Parks on the day that she was arrested. And so at the time, she was in her 80s. And so they said, Mrs. Durr wants to meet you. And I said, where is she? And they said, she's at home. So she knew I was in town. I had never met Mrs. Durr, ever. Didn't even know who, you know, I knew she was Mrs. Durr, and I had read her book. But 
she knew I was going to be in town. And so I said, well, how am I going to get to her house? Because, of course, we have God moments. Yes. That was a God moment. Yes. And so um, she said she told me to bring you. And so, of course, you hear when you're growing up in the north, you better be careful because, you know, you might get lynched and stuff if you get in these people's cars. But I went to her house. She sat me down at her table, just like we're here now. And um, she had the stack of books. She said, did you read this? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. She said, did you read this? Yes, ma'am, I have. Did you read? And at the top was her book. She said, did you read this? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. And that's when she started talking to me. And what she said to me, she said, Ramona, she said, we are all Americans. We just got to figure this thing out. You know, and at that point, I was 30, about 35 then, I became committed to my American experience in terms of no matter what happens in terms of race, you know, no matter what happens, you know, struggle through and push through working through what it is to be in this country, no matter what happens in terms of race, I left out of her house with that. I will never forget that. Then flash forward years later, my dissertation chair and I are talking about what, I'm, what work I'm going to do. And I said, well, what if I do a, a theoretical reading of the Montgomery Bus Boycott? And um, he said, yeah. He said, okay. He said, write, write that proposal. And so, and so I did. And it... This whole the whole journey of the the boycott has taken me just it, it has shaped who I am mm. as you know as as a as a woman that's committed to a certain idea and I always say God gives us certain projects for some reason I needed that project wow. yeah so um anyway so that's what I speak on too is the Montgomery bus boycott the success lessons of the boycott. Um, and those, those, those intertextual moments and what is that healing poetic there for all of us? Um, because it's, it's right there in the boycott. So yeah, roll tide. Wow. And that's it. That's my, that, that is my, my background. That. Yeah. Is, that's Mm -hmm. pregnant with so much. Yeah. Yeah. And. This is what leads us into narrative medicine. Absolutely. You said something that just really grabbed me just now. You mm-hmm. said that two entities mm-hmm. connect or collide even sometimes mm-hmm. and they be and they birth a new text. Right. That's narrative medicine. That is narrative medicine. And you sent me a link to Dr. Rita Sharon. Yes who so elegantly in her TEDx talk in Atlanta educated in 18 minutes an audience and those that will come after, Mm -hmm. audiences that will come after online, Mm -hmm. educated us about this birthing of a new context Mm -hmm. and creating a clearing in a person's lives where different team members can come Mm -hmm. and the truth can abide. Right. And then you will be given the opportunity to help them navigate through a certain area of life. Exactly. How did you find out about narrative medicine? You know, it's so funny. Um, I was at Loma Linda University, uh, and I was working as the director of humanities. And so I started a, um, a lecture series called The Art That Heals Lecture Series. And I am the true art that heals lecture series. Because, wow. you know, art has this healing modality in it. You know, you just sit around and you start singing a song, and you might be feeling one way, and then you start feeling better. You know, or in my case, if you if I'm feeling some way and I start writing a poem, it moves you to a, you know, I might be in my car and, you know, W.O.O. the W.O.U. comes on and there's a song and I'm shouting. Yes, You know, so yes. it takes you into a healing place. And and I think that I know that that's what Mrs. Uh, Dr. Sharon is doing. So um, I was there, and I'm I'm a research at heart. You know, mm-hmm. people have hobbies. My hobbies is just my hobby is looking up information. You know, <laughs> I you know I just I, so I just started doing that kind of you know just putting in you know medicine and literature and this oh, and that. Okay, you know, okay. And so I came upon uh, narrative medicine in her text, and so um, 
I just start doing some reading. And then because of the background in theory, I start thinking about how this is an intertextual moment. And then as it relates to African-American people or people of African descent, how we have this healing modality, you know, just through us. You know, um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm working on a theory called the healing poetic in African, um, African American literature, and showing how. And, I, and I've done several papers on that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we will put links to that. We can put <laughs> yeah. links to that. Yeah. But um, so, so that's how I came up with the idea, and then. You know, you just do a practical test because I am also a practical person. I start thinking about the doctors that I have mm. and 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 why why do I have like my dentist mm-hmm. who's here mm-hmm. for like over 20 years? And why did I even start going to him? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is that I had going to I, I, I used to sew a lot, but mm-hmm. I went to a workshop uh-huh. that his mother was leading. And on that Wednesday in this sewing workshop, it was heirloom sewing. That Wednesday, she had a like a worship service in the middle of the conference. It was in in in, in Huntsville, and um, then she started talking about her son who was a dentist. And I said, "Now, if the woman is praying, I'm sure hmm. she's praying for her son. Let me go to this dentist because it's a little have un- mercy. I'm, I'm telling you, have mercy." And so I went to him, and uh, he is my dentist now. When I went to California, I was looking for that same kind of feeling I got when I went. Because sometimes going to the dentist can be a little unnerving. It can. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) I agree. I I was looking for that same kind of feeling. And I finally got it from a young man, you know, um, who was a dentist there. And when I came back here and I called for my my appointment, I said to to, um, his administrative assistant, I said, you know what? I'm so glad I'm back in Huntsville. Because she was like, where have you been for the last five years? I said, I'm so glad that I'm back in Huntsville because I have my dentist back. Wow. He's a graduate of the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He's a Christian. You know, so I believe that these stories, so we come together, okay, and even if he's doing something as, you know, practical as working on my teeth, you know, I feel comfortable with what he tells me because I know that there is an intertextuality there. There is these two texts coming together and they have a similarity. You know, I know that, you know, at at the point, this is not, I'm not asking everybody to go on this journey, but it's important for me that my doctor is is praying. Mm. Because I know if he praying and I'm praying and we all coming together, you know, even the physician that I have now, that's my general practitioner. Yes. You know, he's a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Mm -hmm. So I know that when I go into his office, he might not be praying about this particular thing, but I know that he is praying. So the context, that's important for me. Now, when I go as a result of narrative medicine in terms of doing practice, when I even do something as simple as going to take blood, I ask, how you doing? You're asking the practitioner questions. What's your name? Where'd you do your training? And, you know, I don't go through this, you know, long list, what you call a checklist. Mm -hmm. But in our conversation, you having a good day? Mm. I ask those questions because maybe if you're not having a good day, maybe you shouldn't be taking my blood right now. Because as you taking my blood, I want you to be praying because I'm sure praying for you. So narrative medicine has the understanding of what those those stories coming together it has given me that I believe that every medical student should take a course in narrative medicine. Yes, yeah. I I, I so agree with you on that mm-hmm. point because while I was listening to her it hit me like clichéish a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this in my practice and did not realize what Nursing. I was doing. A patient would come in, and my background is OBGYN. So I'd have a patient come in, um, say she's having recurrent infections, and she's come the first time. We've figured out what's wrong, give her some medication. She comes back in a couple of weeks, still having the same problem. Right. And I would take a moment and say, how long have your symptoms been? 
She said, oh, really, I've been having these symptoms probably now for the last month. Hmm. I probably started maybe about a week or two before I came to you the first time. What's changed in your life in the last month? And we would start this conversation about the periphery, what seemed to be peripheral issues. Mm -hmm. And they would look at me as if I had grown another head all of a sudden sometimes. Because it's like, well, why are you asking me about that? That has nothing to do with why I'm coming. And I said, it has everything to do with why you're coming. Absolutely. And now I realize that what I was attempting to do and what I would do in situations is bring in the whole person. Right. So that I could then know how best to treat you. Right. Right. But I love the fact that you're being proactive on your end. Absolutely. Understanding the other contextual story that's in the room. Exactly. Because there will be a new moment birth. Exactly. And you all have to go on this journey together. Exactly. That's my theory and thesis is that once you understand on your end as a patient that you are really a part of your healthcare team. Right. And once we on this side understand that you are part of this team, right, we can then work together, right, to receive whole person care. Exactly. And it's not that the and it, it also helps you to understand that it is not the doctor that's leading the story. Ooh, that, I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Tell tell me more about that. It, it's not a doctor be, that's leading because a, a lot of times when we when we go to the doctor traditionally, um, we let the doctor tell us what's wrong. So, however, when you're in an environment where these two are coming together, mm-hmm. you're telling the doctor what's wrong. What's wrong. And you're also telling the doctor what's right about you all's relationship. Because see, if you can't, if you can't, if he's telling you everything and he's all has all the answers, you don't get an opportunity to ask too many questions. You're right. But you have an opportunity to ask the questions. You also have an opportunity to walk out the room if you don't believe that that's the storyteller that whose story you want to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that all the time. Right. And it's not, it's not. And it's not being rude. That's what I was going to say. It's not, it's not being rude. It's where everybody is understanding that we have, we have just a a gentle right, you know, and that this walk is a beauty. And sometimes the walk does not end well. Exactly. But the story always ends well because there's a story. Mm. There's a there is a story. And you know, you even and it's it's so important, you know, for us to ask our doctors to always understand our doctors are human beings. Not yes. not not the yes. old concept that human beings make mistakes. Right. right. Mistakes, not that concept, but the fact that here is a beloved human being who has set out to minister to you. And so you really need to ask him or her, how are you doing? Yes. Because if he or if they're not having a bad day, you need to pray for your physician. Mm. Not because you want your physician to treat you well, but because you want to love your physician as a human being. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a whole nother, another place. Yes. You know, um, that in a whole nother type of thinking that I, we really have to thank people like Rita Sharon and John Fox, who's into uh, poetry uh, therapy and other music, uh, mu- music artistic music therapists therapy. who are helping in this kind of way. So it, it yes. leads to a whole nother way of practicing, practicing your craft. Yes. You know, it, yes. it really, you know. I keep going back to my my dentist, but you know I don't know maybe because he has Alabama graduates. <laughs> I don't know. Or, but I had an experience where I had, and I think about this because one of my students told me she had to have a wisdom tooth taken out, and mm. she had this concern on her face. And I was telling her that you know, depending upon your doctor, it could be an easy or hard journey. And when I had one wisdom tooth taken out, he recommended a specialist. I went to this woman. Nice, nice lady. But all the time, 
she was talking over and <laughs> she was thinking my TV out. She was talking. Now that bothered me. That bothered mm. my story. You know, and when I went in, I asked her her story and you know, she was really nice, really nice. But when she started working on me, she just talking. Just talking. Then it bothered me a little bit. Now, I had to have another te- wisdom tooth taken out. Mm-hmm. And so my physician was sent me back to the same mm-hmm. woman. So I said to him, because we had a relationship and I could tell him my story and he heard my story. I said, you know, I said, um, the last time I went, she was talking over me. And I said, you know, it was great conversation. She was talking to her assistant. I said, but you know, I didn't feel so good about, you know, about her talking over me and she's taking my, my tooth out and da, da 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 And he said, oh, okay, Ramona, okay. I went back to the same woman. We had a conversation before, but as she was working on me, she was not talking. Because he said, oh, I'll talk to her about that. She goes to my church. Now, see, if all these people weren't praying together and going to church. The little It's just the little part in the story are the most important. And see, that's where this whole concept of just narrative medicine, that's where it takes you. You know, to everybody in the room. Personally, I think that when you have an operation, you should just, hey, how you doing? You know, the doctor, is, is everybody praying in this room? You know, just, you know, what should, is everybody having a good day? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, cause sometimes somebody might have woke up in the morning with a bad headache. That's right. So... It's, it's so important to understand that the doctor has his or her own humanity, mm-hmm. his or her own story. And in peace, yes. we link up. You know, like I was telling one of my students the other day, he, um, I said, what time is it? And he said, he gave me the time. I said, that's not the time, young man. And he said, Dr. Hyman, he said, well, can we go early? I said, dear, let me just tell you this. In Dr. Hyman's class, if you're having a moment where you say, hey, can't do all this today just say Dr. Hyman I need to be excused I said because you need to operate where I need to respect all our story yeah it's only one story it's not your story and my in that instance like right now yeah there's one story that's happening here hmm. there's Dr. Keisha mm-hmm. there's there's Dr. Wendell mm-hmm. and there's Dr. Ramona. We all mm-hmm, in here and mm-hmm. it's just one story. And then there's the room. And then that that concept of narrative medicine just takes you to, you know, I'm looking at this whole thing about the healing poetic in African-American literature. What is that healing modality that runs through the literature mm. that in a practical way has caused us to be survivors? You know, and it it happens in every culture, you know, in in every culture it it happens, you know, um, in in every culture it is that healing thread that pulls people into their survival. You know, and it's just there. It's it's there. And, you know, it could be in the case of of the the Montgomery bus boycott, Mm -hmm. that healing modality and friendship. What was the friendship between Virginia Dirt and Rosa Parks that made Rosa Parks have the ability? We don't talk about Virginia Dirt a whole lot. At least in my school, we didn't talk about her. <laughs> right, right. But this Caucasian woman who was Rosa Parks' good friend who took her to the Highland of Folk. There's a healing modality that was a friendship. You know, that made her on the day that Rosa Parks was arrested, put on her coat and say, I'm not going to have my friend down there by herself. So I think that if we examine that, you know, and then it happens, you know, when we go into um, the doctor's office, you Mm -hmm. know, it happens when we go to the dentist. It happens when we go. I had an interesting experience. I have a new massage therapist. Okay. And um, I went to the massage therapist and. And I was in there, and uh, I asked the young lady. We got to talking, questions and everything. She's a seven-day Adventist who goes to Madison Mission. Hmm. I would not have known that if I had not had this consciousness to find out what is this person's story that's working on my feet. Mm-hmm. You know, what's her story? Um, because, you know, she was saying that she was... 
um, I want to be correct here politically. But, you know, if she wasn't praying in the name of Jesus, the way I'm praying in the name of Jesus, I would say, or she wasn't praying to a higher God, you know, to God, then I would just say, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No judgment zone, just, hey, thank you. But we have to talk. We have to talk about those um, stories. I went to a a weight loss clinic that I probably need to go back to. But one of the things that I really loved, the young lady and I were talking, she was a roll tide girl. Oh, we talked. See? We went beyond the fact that I needed to lose 81 pounds. We went into roll tide. You could do this, girl, because I did this. We got something in common. We roll tide, people. I would have never known that if I didn't have the consciousness Ask about the story. Wow. It's, I'm telling you, it is, it's just. This is. And I'm not a physician. It, it takes this journey it, to another level. It takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. And all this information we're talking about today opens up another realm mm-hmm. of living. Mm-hmm. When we're living consciously. Yeah. You made a statement. You said, if I were not conscious. Right. In the moment to start soliciting an understanding of her story Mm -hmm. so that I could understand this moment. Exactly. And in my opinion, I feel that there's so many of us that are not living consciously in our moments and being able to be active participants. Right. And that's what you're saying is key active participant even if the story does not end the way you want the story to end Mm. you still are an active participant you know if we think about of course my favorite novel the blue aside by tony morrison where Mm. you know pecola ends up you know uh as as the my young people say um you know going crazy (laughs) um you know and you know but 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 we need to so it doesn't mean that the story is going to end you know, um, and I, I shouldn't say not in well if they pass away because if people pass in Jesus, they are resting. Yes. You know, yes. Um, but but sometimes it doesn't end like we think it should end. That's what I should yes, say. Yes. Um, however, we do understand that that we came together. And so we have both been a part of the ending. Instead of my doctor told me this. And so that's why John Doe died. So it's the doctor's fault. So we need to be both participating in this thing. Doc, this has been a very powerful conversation that we're having. I usually ask the um, our guest to give us a little bit of insight as well in terms of how do you think we can we can bring this conscious, we can bring more awareness to this type of living, this narrative medicine. Do you have any insights on how we can, we can spread the word even more? Right. I think, well, one, I believe that what you're doing, for instance, what you did yesterday at Oakwood University. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That our X factor. Okay. Walked out of there. I walked out of there thinking of because what you did is you you gave I don't know if you you understand this but you gave an example of narrative medicine hmm. because what you did is you told a story and you told a healing story and so there were a lot of people in there who were possibly didn't know the direction that they needed to go in. There were some people in there who were probably lost. There were people who probably, like the young lady said, I now know, you know what I'm saying, that Mm -hmm. I can be successful too. So that means that psychologically, Mm -hmm. before she walked in that room, she may have had a little doubt. I see. So what you did is you brought about a healing of wholeness there. So you are doing it, Mm. you know, in terms of this is a kind of narrative medicine. (laughs) I would suggest for you is that you study the concepts of narrative medicine Mm -hmm. and that you impart 
and use them, you know, as you go all over the world. Because I believe that God is going to take you all over the world. He has an anointing on you and a ministry on you. And it's for, it may be for one of the, this may be one of those purposes to spread that word in terms of doing what you're doing. Because Mm -hmm. if you analyze it closely, that's what you did. When you, this is, th- let me give you an example. Okay. You, you were talking to them, okay, without your, your white coat. You were talking th- to them as a, as an, as a, as a female, as a human being, mm-hmm. as a mom, as mm-hmm. a wife, mm-hmm. you were talking to them in the back of their mind. They knew that you were Dr. McMillan because okay. Kelly did a good job yes, telling yes, us that. She did. She so did. they understood that Dr. McMillan, so it was your humanity. You were telling them three stories. So you told mm. them, the doctor told them a story. Okay. They were able, especially those students who, 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 who gathered what you said inside, which a lot of them did. That room was quiet. That's what that I. That room was I, That quiet. is the one reiterating yeah. theme that that I've room, gotten is that they were quiet. It was quiet, and they were tweeting. So you, you, mm-hmm. you, you brought your story to them. They silently brought their stories to you, which was the representation in terms of their silence and their tweeting. And then you became a doctor mm-hmm. because you put your coat on. So that is that example of those stories coming together in that intertextual moment. And I'm telling you to a T and me, if I can use myself as an example, there was a birthing act there. Mm. I took out it out of that, the importance of a life coach. Mm. I didn't look at you as, you know, oh, this is Keisha telling, I said, this is Dr. McMillan telling me that I need this patient needs a life coach. So it it that was the birthing act in terms of these stories coming together. And the birthing act in terms of what I got of that out of that, I needed a life coach. After I check off my list, mm-hmm. okay, do I really need to check off my list or do I really need to be happy? So that is an example of narrative medicine coming together, these stories coming together, and then this new story being told. Because I got me some new story. Hmm. I'm going to work on getting me a life and coach. And I'm going to forget my checklist and work on my happy factor. That, that, that to me is narrative medicine at its best. And so I would say that you continue to receive the mission that God has placed you on and do you some writing. <laughs> you need to write about it. The the yes, RX factor, ma'am. the RX factor is a book sister. That's a book. That's a book. Yeah. That's a book. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. If you're listening to the yes. audio and you're not watching us on YouTube, I have just bowed my head in yes. submission and said, yes, Now, I'm telling you, that is a book and you have it outlined already. You gave us the three stories. You can add a couple more stories. Mm -hmm. The other story that I probably would add if I were you, if I could be transparent and authentic, I would add the story about my husband and how God brought you all together. Because I said, if you would have brought that story in there, that room would have been standing up because everybody in there is, 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 is was thinking about that part. And I would add that story in there, you know, and just that because I think you all talked about it on a podcast. I don't know which one it was, but it was the importance of love and relationships. See, I listen to y'all podcast. <laughs> yes, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yes. if you add, but there is a book in there. Mm. There's a workshop in there. You know, there's a, a couple days, you know, that you can you can go into a place in terms of spreading. So I would I would hone my understanding of the theoretical concepts yes. of narrative medicine and I would go out there and I would just do what you're doing and then keep that Christian peace. Yes. I'm telling you the truth. Yes. The Holy Ghost was just like flying all around mm. the room. He was covering that place because you brought him in there. Mm. 
I mean, and you did it so easily. I mean, you know, you just, you know, you just brought it, just brought it on in. And I said, oh, my goodness. But so you, you, you are doing it. And I would just say continue to, to, um, to rest in and move, you know. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you I all are doing. You. Just release I yourself to the Lord. And you, 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 you have, uh, you've done that and continue to do that. Because see, the thing you're going to add to the whole piece is that Christian p- component, mm. that Christ-centered mm. proponent, that component. Mm-hmm. And that's the component that is going to help people to understand in terms of narrative medicine, that when you go into Mm-hmm. You know, a, a situation yes. and a healing situation that if a miracle occurs or whatever is occurring, God is right there. He's moving through the hands of the physician. He's moving through the, the body of the patient. So he so that's the piece that I don't know if you understand that may not be in narrative medicine right about now. You know, so you would be adding that Christ-centered narrative medicine. So you just need to call on Melinda and tell me you got something to tell her. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> and I am going to listen to my mentor. I'm going to. I, I hear everything that you have said, and yeah. I I am being very receptive to yeah. what you have said. This has been. A wonderful conversation. Same here, Keith. A wonderful conversation. And you have just given me my personal tip of the day. But we usually have our guests to give the community a tip of the day. It can be on the subject we're talking about, or it can be on something else that's on your heart that you're impressed to tell um, the community about. But if you could just give our community a tip of the day before we say goodbye. My tip would be this, um, as it relates to narrative medicine, mm-hmm. um, because I think for me, the testimony is the, is the greatest thing. And that is from henceforth, when you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. ask the doctor his story. Be conscious that he does have a story, that he has a humanity. And that God has brought you all into the room to create another story. So just ask him or her, how you doing today? Where'd you do your training? You know, can I pray for you? What's what's your story? Mm. You don't have to say, what's your story? I know. And thank you. 